Hello, welcome, Croiso Ichi Gied, to the very first episode of the Welsh Referees Podcast, aka Pod de Vanwyr Cymru. I'm Jack Ray, a brand new referee and also the match officials recruitment and retention executive at the Football Association of Wales. On this podcast, I'm joined by FIFA list FAW referees Tom Owen and John Bryant, who've recently returned from the Under-17 Euros tournament in Israel. We'll cover their refereeing journeys from first game to UEFA tournament and stop off for discussions about karaoke, religious experiences and upset stomachs. So, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to myself, speaking with John and Tom. Take it away, Jack. Gents, welcome to the first episode of the Welsh Refereeing Podcast. I'm here with John Bryant and Tom Owen, who have just been abroad in Israel. So, um, we obviously want to talk a little bit about uh, their experience over there. 17 Euros tournament, but first of all, we just want to get the, get to know them a little bit better. So, uh, John, I don't know if we could start with you and maybe talk about kind of your experience kind of growing up and getting involved with football and how you sort of fell in love with the game. Sure. Um, so I fell in love with the game purely through my dad. Um, my dad was a footballer growing up. Um, and then after sort of his retirement from football, he then took up the whistle. So I never had a close association with him refereeing, but he always used to just drag me along to watch him. And I, I could never be bothered to watch him, if I'm honest. I used to just take a ball and kick it against the fence myself. So uh, I think there was maybe that sort of thing in the back of my mind as I grew up and as I started refereeing. Like, oh, my, my dad used to do it. So um, yeah. we then we then became season ticket holders uh, at one of his former teams, um, which is the team I currently support, Bristol City. So um, all of my childhood was pretty much spent at Ashton Gate watching uh, mm-hmm. watching my team in, in lower divisions or non-league, as some of the boys say. Um, yeah, I always, and, and that's where my passion for football came, really. I, I, I love football. I was always playing it growing up. I was always watching it. Um, and then sort of towards the end of my sort of school years, when I was sort of 15, 16, I really wanted to stay involved in football in some capacity. Um, so I moved I moved to Wales um, and, I, and I played for my local team, um, which were played in the... Uh, the South Wales Alliance League and I thought oh here we go I can I can start my professional football career here and it took probably one game to realize that nah, I was never going to make it um, and that was coupled with me enrolling on a on a sports science course in in Swansea College so I wanted to sort of keep that passion for being involved in football somehow and then sort of paths cross with with sort of my thoughts and uh and something that that sort of popped up online, I think it was, where I saw a referees course, and obviously with with my dad being a referee or a former referee as well, it sort of it felt right. Um, mm. So then I, I signed up for the referees course, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Great. And what about you, Tom? How did you sort of start off with football, and then and then end up picking up the whistle and having this career you've uh, sort of carved out for yourself? Yeah, similar to, to John, really, but um, a slight variation, I suppose. Um, I, I sort of started kicking a ball around, I think, from a very, very junior age of sort of three and four, I think, of just sort of growing up, really, just again, from a from a family kind of um, orientation, I suppose, you know, dad and, 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 and what have you, more particularly... Um, sort of I suppose with the encouragement really but yeah so so I, I, I played for a period of time till um till about 21 in the end actually where I sort of fell out of playing the game and during those years sort of you know again similar like John was saying had a um 
I love Everton and, and still do um, for all of my sins. Um, <laughs> and thankfully, uh, they've survived Premier League for now, sort of thing. So, um, which has been a very interesting year on that front. But uh, yeah, it's um, that's always it's always been in my interest, really, sort of thing. You know, I think everybody has an interest in some ways or another. But um, gone from yeah, from 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 player to a period of coaching as well, actually through through my sort of late teens and into my early twenties. Um, took the referee course when I was 14 um, and just to sort of again as a bit of a different outlook to the game and, and to be involved in it in a different way um, again not with the same passion that I have for it now but something to, to, something to say a different outlook to, 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 the, uh, to the game really and um, yeah then when I finished playing and, and sort of made a decision to stop coaching as well at the age of sort of 21, 22 I then took my refereeing career more seriously if you like and um, yeah, stuck stuck with it since, which has turned out to be a great decision. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, so we've got as far as you two sort of getting getting towards picking up the whistle. And um, the listeners might not know this, but I'm going to be doing my first game soon in the next kind of couple of um, kind of months and, and stuff. So I just kind of wanted to hear about your kind of stories of your first few games and kind of how that went because I, from what I understand, <laughs> it can be a chaotic experience. So. Don't scare me too much, but give me some uh, some insights into into what it's like. It's horrific. All right, Joe, can I let Tom start? Um, well, uh, because of my sort of introduction to it, um, a, a younger age, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really remember my very first game, to be truthful. Um, but I can draw back to... Um, running the line actually during, during my sort of teenage years um, in, in the, the North Wales Coast League essentially sort of thing um, I actually I remember quite quite vividly actually running the line for Nick Pratt one of our um, current Welsh Premier League referees uh, when Nick was on his way through the through the ranks as well through the system um, so that but as I was saying that that was during a time where for me it was just a different outlook in the game really it wasn't of a of huge interest I suppose as I say with the same passion I have now so um my first my first game as a referee I I, I think I highly imagine would have been a junior a junior league game sort of thing and I, because I did a few of those for a bit of extra pocket money to be honest at the time yeah. um and then I, I think my first senior game um sort of official game came in what was the old Welsh National League in North East Wales, um, in in the, the the sort of the lower divisions of that kind of section, as it were. But um, I, I'll be honest, I can't remember exactly who it was. But um, yeah, I can. Cer- I certainly have strong memories of my uh, my sort of teenage years of going on the line down the North Wales coast to places um, like Glen Conway and, and Conway when they were also in that system. Um, so yeah, some strong memories from, in, in those days, really. But um, you, John? yeah, I'm sure you're looking forward to it anyway. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. And John, do you have any anything that sticks out from your uh, sort of early 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 yeah. days? Yeah, I remember I remember everything. Um, totally right. opposite <laughs> to Tom, really, and uh, only because I remember the nerves that I was feeling before my very first match and and sort of every all the build up to it. Because when I took the referees course, it was it was sort of designed the old way and the 
the way that I'd be sat in a classroom for eight weeks for for two hours every week and uh, getting all the theory side of it, but but no practical and no sort of uh, understanding of the real world. So it sort of made me extremely nervous, but I'll always remember it. Um, I was also an assistant referee, so it sort of worked out well for uh, for what I am today. Um, but yeah, I was on the line for Cardiff City against Aston Villa under 12s. Um, and I was totally bricking it before the game, um, uh, only only because I didn't know what to expect. I, I I was panicking from even getting into my car. Sorry, I wasn't driving back then. Into my mum's car to 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 not knowing what to expect when I arrive at the ground and and all that sort of thing. So I'll always remember my first game because it was it was like sort of sheer panic. Um, the game the game went smoothly as as academy football matches do where the, the sort of coaches and only the coaches are allowed to coach sorry and, and the parents aren't even allowed to speak to their own children that are playing so it was a nice environment for me sort of coming through referee and I was again totally different to to Tom I never once touched junior football of, of a of a sort of local league um that's only because um my sort of mentor at the time was was strongly opposing of of all of his young referees to do that and to learn in a safe environment before we're sort of set out into the real world. Um, my, my, my first middle, um, I'll, again, I'll always remember this, which was a couple of weeks later at the same venue. Um, it was a colleges match. It was like a, a North v South sort of trials match. And I'll always remember it because the person I was going to college with uh, was playing in the Southern team. So, and again, I don't re- I don't remember much of the game itself, but again, I remember panicking, going, "Oh my God, I've got a whistle for the first time! I'm going to cause carnage out here." Um, but again, it, it, it worked out for the best. And then I'll always remember my first season as it's probably the hardest season I think I've ever had in my career. Um, I was referee in senior football in the Aberdare League. Um, I was only 16 at the time, referee in fully grown adults, uh, sort of work during the week and, and their sort of let off is is kicking kicking a ball around for 90 minutes and being told by a 16 year old what's right and what's wrong is uh, is always a hard one for players to take um again the first couple of games went well there was there was one match in particular that stood out for me that season where i was unfortunately assaulted by a player but wow. but on the on on the sort of main i think in my first my sort of first full season of refereeing i must have done about 60 games and that's like anything yeah. from local league referee and through to academy matches and um i used to do wales women behind closed doors training matches so the one thing the one thing i would offer advice to you and any new referee is just just persevere and stay at it stay committed because the the one thing you learn throughout your career is there's games that don't go well that's 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 a matter of fact but you're only as good as your last game so you sort of want to part that one as quickly as possible and and get on to the next one and yeah I, I think uh if I let my nerves get the better of me after the first game I certainly wouldn't be where I am today right and obviously glad, we glad, to... didn't, glad I didn't ruin your good looks anyway mate that assault thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> didn't punch him too hard <laughs> right so um obviously then so you both sort of started off and and got going at what point did you sort of start you know flying up the tiers and getting your promotions and um sort of reaching the sort of Cymru Prem what was that sort of journey like for me it was quite quickly to be honest um some would argue it's too quickly sort of thing but I found my way one way or another sort of thing and a bit fortuitous along the way I'm, I'm sure you know with with 
injuries and things that happened to other referees at the time and being sort of right place and ready when called upon, which I think is also a big part of, of any sort of development. You know, you need a little bit of luck along the way and being prepared and, and ready and things. But um, yeah, it, it, for me, I, I have a very, again, strong memory of my first season in the Welsh Prem, I recall, because that was also probably one of the most difficult seasons I've I've sort of ever come up against, to be honest. I remember... Um, refereeing a game at Real actually when they were back in the league and I get against Newtown and um yeah it, it was chaos to be honest <laughs> I had uh, I had three red cards in the game I uh, I, I allowed a goal to, to, to sort of take place which what turned out to be should have been a foul beforehand sort of thing in the lead up to the goal so um yeah I was certainly sort of rabbing the headlights at that point I think in in, in my stages but um yeah, no, I I can look back on that now with um, a, a lot of sort of um, credibility in some ways, really, to sort of learn from it and, and get through it and, and end up where I am now. So, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a great journey for me so far, um, you know, and, and I think, as I said, progressed probably quite quickly, certainly through the, the lower stages. But I think that was maybe due to my... Um, the sort of relationship with the game from a playing point of view, which aided my sort of decision making on the field as a referee, which um, I say has got got me so far, if you like, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all, all all good from my point of view. Um, but yeah, a, a, a good journey so far, and you know, top toppled with the fact of the, the most recent appointment in the Euros. You know, you you know you want to come to and things, but um, yeah, it's it's been a great journey for me in my in my sort of. 10 year coming up 10 year period I suppose of yeah. more serious aspect of the refereeing career yeah and John how long have you been at it then must be quite uh, a while so I, I passed the course on the 6th of January 2010 um, and I'd say pretty similar to Tom to be honest in terms of my sort of rise through the ranks um, there was no sort of double jump in promotions or anything when I came through so I, I sort of did it the, the long way for, for want of a better phrase but I sort of every every year I was eligible to get promoted I, I, I did which which obviously helped in my favor um, I obviously I had mentors coming coming through the system uh, I was also fortunate enough to be on the uh, on the South Wales development group which which I happened yeah. to be the referee development officer of and I think you were the um, same weren't you Tom? Yeah I was just going to say that um, that I think you know credit to the to the FAW and the system that is in place for referees and, and being ident- you know, young talents being able to be identified and be guided along the, the way now with the, the programmes that are in place and obviously John has a lot more experience now in terms of his position with the South Wales group but um, that's that certainly you know is an opportunity to sort of put on the map as it were and your name, your name be put out there as being someone who has the potential to progress and develop and stuff and um, yeah you're certainly then more exposed to more people and more coaching and more opportunities really yeah and I I think when I when I was on the development group which probably um I would say catapulted my career because it sort of um brings you into this whole new world of of development of of you as a person and you as a referee so you sort of understand a bit more of what what it what it's taken to to be right at the top before you're even at the top and my referee development officer at the time Ray Ellingham um, was keen to stress to everyone on the group that this doesn't guarantee any promotions this this group and it doesn't fast track any promotions what it does 
is it highlights to the rest of your colleagues who are also in similar positions to you but without the development group that that you're sort of public enemy number one people look up to you and think oh, oh you're lucky enough to be in that position that means you're getting fast tracked but the reality of it is you're all still at the same level you're all being observed by the same observers obviously i was i was fortunate enough to sort of get the enhanced training but but also where you're sort of in a vulnerable position because everyone's expecting more of you because because you're mm-hmm. on the development group but because we're so young we're still sort of on similar learning paths and i think that if you're fortunate enough to get invited to the development group that'll only enhance you as a person and as a referee in the long term that that doesn't mean that that someone who doesn't come through that pathway isn't going to make it by a long shot but i'd encourage anyone who gets the opportunity to be involved in any form of coaching that's that's the faw run development groups that's the the regional area development groups or that's genuinely just being part of a society or a collective of referees of all experiences and all levels where where you can learn to develop because you can't do it on your own it's impossible i'm yet to meet a referee that's come all the way from grassroots all the way to the elite level or even international level that have never had a form of mentor coach or person that they rely on and 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 those bonds are important because uh, at the end of the day you'll never make it and they also provide a good support network for for when games do go wrong or when situations arise that you can't get through yourself yeah yeah absolutely and talking of sort of the development and progress over the last 10 years um maybe we should turn our attention to um obviously the tournament that you attended recently um i just wanted to sort of go over that from kind of start to finish really because, uh, you know, it's a really interesting kind of opportunity and so on. So I just wanted to know what it's sort of like when you get the sort of the, the phone call or the information through that you're, you know, you're going to go to go to a tournament like that and be traveling abroad. I mean, I mean, I can quite comfortably say I was in total shock. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I had a phone call from our current referees manager, Lee Evans. I think everybody's familiar with Lee with his, his recent. Uh, recently finishing his own career to take that position and um, yeah I had a call from Lee to say uh, that he'd recently received an email I think it was not long after he'd received it he called me to say that he'd had details of the under 17 euros appointed referees and opened the attachment and there was a list of countries of so and so from such a country and such a person from another country and then gets down to referee number eight and there's Tom Owen from Wales and I yeah I I couldn't really believe that he was saying it to be honest with you um you know particularly from sort of a twofold point of view really from 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 being so junior as an international and and only being in on the international list for for a year coming into my sort of second season and, and having Sort of coupled with that, not having a great deal of games over overseas from from UEFA because of the COVID year and everything along those lines, and and uh, the, the being fewer games than than typical. So, um, yeah, it was total shock um, to be honest. Yeah, obviously, I had no expectations of anything like that at any point in my career, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So to have it at such a stage was, um, yeah, it was it was completely shocking. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally did, totally caught uh, totally caught me off guard you know yeah was lee did lee sort of leave your antenna hooks and he sort of dripped the information through i'm opening the email i'm seeing the, the, the names and then well, those are the x it, factor or something like a big pause <laughs> yeah it was it was a little bit like that i think he'd already pre-read it i think he fell off his yeah. seat himself to be honest yeah. <laughs> I think we were both uh i think it's probably equally as surprised as i was but no it it, it 
you know, every time you get a call from um, the, the referee's manager that there's an appointment come in for you for an international game, it is always an honourable moment to, you know, wow, it's another opportunity to go and represent Wales as a country, essentially, as you know, on the refereeing scale and. Um, to, to sort of be the, epitomise that it's the, the very top of the tree is to be at finals tournaments, which, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm forever the rest of my life I'll be able to be fortunate enough to say that I've I've had the call up for one of those and been able to attend one and um, yeah, it, it, it's something that I'll relive in my mind. I'm sure day after day, sort of thing, you know, and 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 at times where things get tough and at times where things don't go so well, it's something I can look back on and go. That that's why I referee. You know, that's the reason that you referee for those sorts of calls. So, yeah, shocking, but um, something that will live in me forever for sure. What about you, John? How did you find out? Uh, I was on my way to a match in the Cymru Premier. Um, I'd just driven past Newtown. I remember exactly where I was. Um, and, and before I sort of reveal of of what went on, I think uh, I think it's always been a bit of a dream of mine. Um, to obviously be invited on one. Obviously, Tom Tom is is still sort of fresh into his career. I, I'm sort of slightly longer longer than Tom, but it's always been the one thing that I've always dreamed of having, but something that I could never control myself because they're appointed directly by UEFA. I can only do my performances, and that's it. I don't. There's no sort of selection process that you have to sort of put yourself forward to. It's purely done done via UEFA so it's always been a, a dream of mine but something that I've never been able to control and um, having other colleagues that have been on on finals tournaments in recent years and listening to their sort of stories it really was like yeah I just I really wanted to be involved in it because like Tom said it's, it's the absolute pinnacle of any referee's career to be involved in, in a finals uh, but yeah I was driving uh, I was driving to a Cumbria Premier match and, and Lee and Lee Evans rung me and uh he said, "Oh, um, I know you're having trouble with uh, time off at the moment, which I've just I've just started a brand new job, so uh, it, it's not really a problem. But I know it would be sort of difficult in getting sort of just days off here and there, whilst I'm so sort of new into into the into the force. So um, he he sort of gave me the dates, and I was like, oh my god, that's that's three weeks worth of dates. I was like, what? <laughs> what is it? And he was like, well, uh, You've been selected to go to the uh, the under 17s European Championships. I was like, oh my god! And obviously, in one hand, it's the best news, the moment I've been dreaming of. But to to sort of totally flip that, I was absolutely dreading it because I wasn't at work for like three or four days, and I needed to confirm back that I was available. And I was thinking, oh my god, I need to book three weeks off work. I'm brand new into the company. How how, <laughs> how am I going to get this across? So. Uh, so yeah, there was a there was in one hand, like I say, it was it was amazing news, but something I really couldn't celebrate or embrace for like four or five days after oh once God. I managed to uh, to sort of get special permission off of uh, off of my my sort of line manager and then and then the sort of room manager then who had to had to give final say on it. So I think uh, Tom was one of the first persons that I text as soon as I got the time off. I think I, I texted him something like, "Unlucky, I'm coming with you." So. <laughs> um, and, and there's there's a unique thing that's happened with this tournament compared to any edition of, of previous years gone by, whereas normally it's just one official appointed from one country. So for us to be selected as a pair was was a total unique and different experience for us. And we shouldn't underplay the fact, and I know it hasn't been mentioned yet, but Tom is actually the first referee from Wales to ever be selected for a finals tournament. So 
obviously it was a massive moment not only in my career but in in Tom's career and and Welsh refereeing as a whole uh, and I think uh, I think there's only been sort of one referee and sort of crew that have ever refereed a final of uh, of such a competition. So to be selected in this sort of modern day format, Tom being being the first referee to be appointed, then uh, then it certainly was cause for celebration when when I finally could confirm my availability and then the sort of <laughs> countdown began then really until we uh, until we hopped on that plane. Yeah. So just obviously. Um getting on the plane and so on like what's the experience like when when you got to israel how how was that um over there you want to take take me through kind of the experiences you had well there was a panic trying to pack the case to start with <laughs> <laughs> trying to get the volume of stuff in that i thought i might need um i definitely overthought it personally but um i <laughs> sitting on the case to try and shut the thing you know but uh no it landing in israel obviously you know you, you're going into whole new territories it's it, it's not um, you know the culture and the way of living and all that kind of stuff. It, it isn't too similar to, to to the British way of life, and um, certainly anticipation from a, a you know a climate point of view as well. And um, thinking, crikey, what's the conditions going to be like for refereeing games in 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 a place like Israel? Um, but yeah, and and then just pure kind of excitement, um, anticipation, nerves, obviously. Um, to some degree, you know, you you being sort of exposed and put in front of some of the best coaches amongst the European scale, you know, and um, and of course colleagues as well, you know, amongst other referees that have also been identified with potential to progress. So, um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it it's it, overwhelming, really. I suppose in some ways to to go out there and um, you know, once, once you hit touchdown and get ourselves comfortable that sort of thing um you know in in our in our rooms and that kind of stuff we're fortunate to have a lovely view of the beach which i managed to help us settle, <laughs> settle in a little bit easier um but yeah it, it was just a case of getting our getting my bearings for me really getting my surroundings and getting to meet everybody um you know all of the people that were going and john and i didn't travel together so um one of the first things i was ready to do was to speak to john really more than anything and get ourselves uh get ourselves together and i think we i think we, we went and got our kit together didn't we it was the first thing i think we did if i remember rightly when i saw you yeah we, well, we, we had, had, we had the covid test as well yeah yeah we had the covid test as well upon arrival so yeah i was were you nervous for that then when when that swab yeah was well yeah to be honest i mean because um I, I heard a story from another european referee who went to israel on a under 21s game in the last international break and he tested positive on arrival there so he had to quarantine there for seven days and obviously then was unable to do his game so i was thinking you know god forbid <laughs> end up testing positive and miss out on any games and the experience and everything so yeah there was a little bit of um, apprehension with, with the covid test i must admit but yeah thankfully that was that that all went that all went okay but um yeah john you followed on a couple of hours after me weren't you and i think we remember rightly we went to grab our kit and then sat in our rooms for a little while sort of just clearing our minds everything going on and coming to terms with it all still yeah, I think uh, it's obviously a massive buzz through like the build up to it, but then sort of things start becoming a bit more real. And mm-hmm. when it comes to packing your bag, I think I started packing my bag. I, I took two cases with me, which um, I subsequently lost. Well, I haven't lost, but you know, someone you have to has. arrive back. <laughs> <laughs> someone has name someone. the airline. 
um but I, I'm quite good with my preparation or I say I'm quite good my fiance is quite good with my preparation we've got a bit of a a list that we write every time I, I sort of go abroad and it was sort of packing my case a few days in advance and just just making sure I've got things strangely an extension lead because I like you, you don't know what the travel sort of plug situation is like and if you only need one travel plug then you can take an extension lead and lose that so I've, I've learned that from my uh from my wedding trips abroad <laughs> so uh <laughs> Yeah, it was obviously me and Tom traveled separately and uh, it's very rare that, that I actually travel abroad on my own. Or if it is the case that I'm sort of traveling from South and Tom and, and whoever else is appointed, we tend to meet at like a, a hub, tends to be Amsterdam, Munich or Frankfurt. But this was a case I was going all the way on my own. And uh, so obviously, naturally, there's, there's nerves because you're meeting up with, with people that you've never met before. There's also the, the the strange factor of looking at where these referees are actually from and, and who you're going to be operating alongside. And before we travelled, um, we had the list of referees um, and then the Champions League final a, a sort of match official appointments came out. And I was like, hang on, I recognise that name. And it wasn't until I opened our document for, for, for the Israel trip that one of the referees is actually involved in the Champions League final. So it sort of hit home that that we're actually operating alongside some of the best officials in Europe and in the world. Uh, and they're all from varying backgrounds. We, we had French referees and, and one of them's involved in the Champions League final, who's a full-time professional referee, referee in PSG, Lionel Messi, Neymar, week in, week out. And we're also <laughs> sort of operating alongside Armenians who only have a, an eight division league in their national league. And uh, and so there's, there's sort of like a varying level of, of background. So, it was all sort of nerves and preparation and all that kind of thing. But I think because I've experienced many, many a trip similar, it was just a case of once you're in your room, you sort of kick back into normal preparation mode. And because of the quarantine rules, I think like, like Tom said, the first time I saw him was when uh, when I went to collect uh, all my kit from a sort of the UEFA room. And yeah, it was just getting our minds onto it then and, and sort of understanding and, and, and what we need to do, what we need to do together, sort of medium short and long-term sort of aims for the tournament and beyond and i think the first thing we had to get out of the way was obviously the not only passing test. a COVID test uh, yeah the fitness test that was yeah. that was the, the biggest worry and um even though i'd like to say and I, i'm speaking on behalf of tom here that that we're, we're we're fit there's always that worry of we're in a new country the temperature mm. i think was 31 degrees we had to we had to leave the hotel at half seven in the morning because you can't run at, at lunchtime it's impossible so there was always those worries and, you, and you're doing it in front of, like Tom said, some of the best UEFA coaches around. And you, obviously you're there, you're there to, to do your job, you're there to excel and, and impress. But there's always that niggling feeling in the back of your mind, even though you've done all this preparation ready for it. What if something happens? What if I'm not all of a sudden fit enough? I know that's the wrong, the wrong <laughs> attitude to take. But but there was unfortunately one person on our, on our sort of uh, cohort or group of match officials that that subsequently failed a test and then and then I think that's when me and Tom realized the sort of the power of UEFA in these competitions because it wasn't even two hours after we got back to the hotel I think Tom when he yeah, came up he the was, referee came up to yeah. me and he was uh, almost in tears on the next flight home just, yeah we were on a we were on our way down to lunch weren't we after getting yeah. back from the fitness test and he he was going you know just getting prepared to pack his bags and leave so yeah it, it, it's sort of the um the seriousness of it certainly hit home then didn't it but um yeah the, the fitness test was like john says it's always 
the end of the day, you've got to do it. And I think that the thing for us, we, we didn't have any indication of what it, what kind of test it was going to be, I think was the, the thing that we were so, you know, sort of nervous for as well is, well, crikey, what are they going to have us doing, you know, with, say with the conditions and the heat and the humidity as well of the heat is just something that we're not, we're not really familiar with. But yeah, thankfully that, that wasn't too challenging for us. And we, we, you know, we managed to get through it and under normal circumstances. So yeah, that, that was the, the very, very start, wasn't it? And what about the sort of routine going through, kind of going through like like stuff as, as basically as like the food you eat, the, the sort of times. Like, did you get to see Israel or did you just spend the time in hotels and on football pitches? Um, it's It was pretty, pretty full on, to be fair. Um, but I think that's just because of the volume of games. So, um, yeah, we, we, we passed fitness test um, Saturday and, and then... Sun, was it Sunday I think we then had um, like a, an introductory kind of meeting then about some of the expectations laid out for us um, and then following that we had then some of the appointments then for the first match round which was the Monday and Tuesday so four four games per day eight games sort of per match round um, so the and then a day rest in between that before another match round and again another day rest before the final match round of the group stage so um yeah, the, the, we were really fortunate enough with the hotel and the location was really great. Um, we were pretty close to the beach, so we were able to just walk out of the hotel and sort of almost as much as 25 yards away, we, we were able to be uh, walking on sand, you know. So um, it was really great to be able to sort of remove ourselves, if you like, from, from the hotel sort of environment and go for a breath of fresh air sort of thing. Um, and obviously, you know, the warm weather climate and things. But ultimately, it was day in, day out. It's it's training session. It's meeting then with um, the coaches about some of the expectations, discussing clips. Um, and then, you know, same same on a match day. It's it's getting prepared properly for, for matches. It's um, then obviously post-match, it's debriefing with the coaches and, and um, you know, assessing then some clips from there obviously following day recovery sessions so yeah it's it's and, and then team meeting of clips so yeah it, it, it's really um it's quite intense to be fair you know in terms of the the volume of sort of contact really I suppose more than anything but we were yeah we were fortunate enough that um yeah I mean Tel Aviv is a place I, I I'd not been there um certainly from my recollection so we, we, we were certainly you know caught in the middle of well what what what's in Tel Aviv what, what's about sort of thing so I think we had opportunities for a few walks and stuff so that was really nice and um, to get to see a little bit of the place but yeah not not a great deal because of the you know sort of just an hour or two here and there before you're on to the next activity whatever it might be that, that you kind of having to be involved with so yeah sounds very 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 intense um, John I don't know if you want to come in on your sort of experience yeah, in Israel think, before we talk about the matches and stuff it, it, it is intense um Tom's hit the nail on the head, but it's it's the kind of stuff you we're used to. Um, and again, you you learn that throughout your career, whether you're a new referee or, or an experienced international referee. The sort of demands get get higher and higher, and this is the pinnacle of refereeing. So we expected it to be full on, intense. Um, you're also working with colleagues from other countries, so you have additional difficulties within those meetings. It it may sound straightforward that you're analysing clips, but there's language barriers, there's interpretation of law, there's there's loads of factors that make those meetings difficult in themselves. Um, 
we had a great bunch of coaches though so yeah it must be noted that whenever we weren't in meetings we were told that whilst we're here for a purpose when we have that short half hour hour session it's time to switch off mentally because even though it's the best job in the world we love it we we wouldn't be there if we didn't love it and and we enjoy these meetings everything that we're being taught we then need to digest so they they actively encouraged us to go for walks go for a swim in the swimming pool go for a game of volleyball on the beach just to just to get your minds off the pressures um and there, there was a couple of occasions where we were fortunate to have sort of um an excursion i think is is probably what what's best to call it um we got to visit uh, an old city in uh, sort of nearby tel aviv um for i think it was like a 45 minute stroll af- after lunch just to to walk it off and get an insight but then we also had uh, a day or half a day i should say uh, in jerusalem um yeah which again <laughs> what a place yeah it's it's an it was an incredible experience I, I i'm not religious by by any stretch of the imagination but the sort of feeling that you get when you when you get to that city and and the places we visited i think we were fortunate enough to go into the places where jesus was uh allegedly crucified and <laughs> um sort of laid to rest and uh we were in inside that church for about 45 minutes an hour and it was breathtaking i think is the only word yeah I think as well that that would really um, hit home with the difference of, of personnel that are amongst us and the different cultures because some of the um, more eastern sort of refs were you know from Europe they were very um, embraced by the whole sort of thing in the church weren't they and um, you know they, they they took a bit longer to find their way around the church than, than some of us but um, yeah it. it I'm a bit similar to John. I'm not too religious, but I could I could certainly relate to the history behind the building. It was quite incredible, really. Um, and yeah, I think again, part and part, and part of the, the one of the, the benefits of refereeing, actually, and the experiences you do get to have, it's it's also the away things away from the pitch when you get onto international stage, and you know the opportunities to visit places like Jerusalem, which honestly wouldn't be on sort of one of my top top of the bucket list kind of places to visit for holiday but um yeah i, I haven't seen it in and i can appreciate it in such a different way than i, I could ever have imagined really um, and, and, and the, the benefit as well is uh obviously there's this sort of unrest in the country and so you always have a bit of nerves a bit of app- apprehension and i think when we got on the bus there was two security guards that had to wait yeah. around and i was thinking Oh gosh, well we let ourselves in from here, but, but I've since learned that was just sort of UEFA and and the group uh, or the the organisers just sort of adding an extra bit of security for us, even though there was no unrest there. But it's almost peace of mind. And mm-hmm. like I said, we we got to experience some amazing things that day. We we went to the Wailing Wall as well, which again is is just simply incredible. And it's it's sort of well, it's one of the religious centres of the world, really, where loads of different religions come together. And not being of of any religion, even I could appreciate sort of uh, the sort of beauty in it and 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 the passion and the power that that sort of religion can have. Even though I can't relate, you you could almost feel it. Um, yeah. But again, that was important for us because this was in between match day two and match day three, where where we've had so much information given to us over the two match days and the tournament leading up to it, um, our coaches and uh, were adamant that we we needed, so I think it was three and a half hours or four hours away from the football pitch. But uh, but the minute we got back onto the bus and back to the hotel, straight back to meeting, straight back in, uh, and and everyone everyone knows that that now's the time to be serious to switch on 
for match day three because that's what all the teams deserve and they deserve our sort of 100% attention to detail and and obviously every referee then uh, then gave a fully committed performance and uh, yeah yeah so so li- li- lots of work and a little bit of time time I suppose yeah. you know, is the biggest but like like any any job any workplace it's about a good balance isn't it so if I if I remember rightly as well though. John, did we not have a few games of table tennis? To no, I don't remember that at all. To be I remember, I re- actually remember us having one on uh, when uh, the Europa League final was on, where I won five two. But I don't think we played any time after that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. It got a little bit competitive amongst ourselves. But again, that kind of thing is was nice to just take your mind away from all things football and yeah, um, yeah, all, all good fun. And I remember winning 2 0 in volleyball as well. I just want to point out, I just, you know. <laughs> so, uh, talking of competition stuff, we probably better talk about the actual matches at some point. So, um, so with with that, what was it kind of like seeing, you know, obviously being at a tournament like that, the sort of the standard of football that was being played and sort of your own roles within the game? How how, how did you find all of that? Yeah, completely eye opening. In, in fairness, you know the um, the standard of football is is far greater than anything that we're typically used to. That's that's a certain um, all of these players, and, and and it was highlighted to us as well in the the pre match, uh, the, the pre tournament kind of uh, briefing that these players are all playing for the best teams in their domestic countries. You know, and and the, they're the top nations that are there. Um, you know, Italy, France, Netherlands, you know, and so these players are playing for Bayern Munich, they're playing for, you know, Juventus, they're playing for Dortmund, they're, they're, they're you know, they're playing right at the very top of, of, of the game for their respective age groups and, um, yeah, P- Portugal and another team that, that uh, well, Spain, you know, they're both progressed, I think, quite far to the competition. So, they're, it, yeah, you, you're in front of the, those on the real top end of the scale, but, there's something then that you have to kind of remember that it's just eleven versus eleven on a on a football field and try not to get sort of caught up with um, caught up with that. But yeah, the, the standard was was very good and, and um, yeah, it's, for, for me certainly better than the the average game that you sort of involved with. You know, the, the technical ability of some of those players and the speed of them, you know, especially at their age of you know sort of sixteen, seventeen, they're all out to impress you know for, on their own on their own uh, respect so yeah it was quite quite the experience the games themselves and um yeah to say something that will resonate with me for a long time that's for sure i think so, from, from my point of view with my sort of assistant referee role and head on um there's an additional challenge of not only sort of understanding team tactics and, and where these players are playing and their and their sort of ability levels but I've also got to get used to working with um, sort of colleagues from across Europe as well so mm-hmm. it's an added factor we may not be used to the standard or we may not be used to the, the style of play and, and the age group um, and the sort of uh, the, the ways that they can sort of change matches in an in- and tactically that that we might not be able to pick up as quickly as they've been told but it's also that added sort of factor of working with foreign colleagues language barriers different styles of officiating different needs for the game different different role same sort of role mm-hmm. but being carried out slightly differently and, and slightly different responsibilities that, exactly that and and i had that my very first match the match day one 
A, so the first block of matches, the first kickoff, I think it was something like that, or the second kickoff of the day. I, I was in that position where uh, I was working with two colleagues from North Macedonia and a fourth official from Israel. So there, there's there's that sort of I've I've come together as a as a pair with Tom, but all of a sudden I'm not working with Tom. <laughs> and the, the preparation that we did together before the tournament and in the early stages of, of the days of the tournament, I knew that my first match wasn't going to be with Tom. So it was just trying to trying to adjust myself really not yeah. only to the demands of the game but the demands of my colleagues because I, i'm there to help them out as much as they're there to to sort of do a job for themselves and and i think the the best assistant referees in the world are ones that are sort of more team players and the ones that are focused solely on themselves and i just had to make sure that i was sort of fully understanding of what their sort of needs and requirements were of me and, and again trying to adapt that into my game and maybe do something totally different that i'm used to working with tom or working back home here in the Cymru prem um and just making it work and i think that's the other sort of factor of tournament football is you you have to make drastic changes to, to your own game to suit others sometimes and like i said that was match day one and fortunately then my remaining matches were with tom but again there's still other issues then because as as two as a pair of assistant referees i'm always working with a, a, another assistant referee from a different country so it's just ironing out those sort of finer details and, and making sure that that we give a, a an honest and committed performance to the best of our abilities yeah and i just wanted to ask like yeah being a complete novice and stuff so it's right that ua for officials can all kind of speak english so you can also communicate amongst yourselves is that is that right yeah yeah so i mean UEFA will say that UEFA's language is English, um, but you know that that that's a far easier said than done for us because it's our mother tongue. Whereas you know some of these guys that are speaking in in their own native language, um, it isn't so straightforward for them. So yeah, there's there's certainly instances during game, you know, in you know when as, as John says, when you're working with two colleagues from the same country, that they can sometimes and often do catch themselves discussing things in their own language um so it's just like john said it's about just getting a good, a good understanding together as as early as possible you know prior to the game um in sort of a pre-match sort of meeting just to outline some of our sort of uh, intentions and ideas and that sort of thing and so so we can get onto the same page as quickly as possible so when we do hit the pitch we can kind of hit the ground running but yeah it, in, in discussions and in, in, in sort of more formal sort of meetings amongst us as a group, then yeah, it, English is is the language. But as soon as you step out, then into you know the smaller pockets of groups from from the more those countries speaking in different languages and from different regions, then yeah, there's, it, it starts to break up a little bit. But it, on the whole, I'd say um, in fairness, the group was was pretty well connected. I would have said um, yeah. in, as a general, yeah. Yeah, I think the the one thing we quickly realised is there was a lot of nations from around the sort of former Yugoslavia area, so they all spoke the same language, and you always have a bit of a preconception, I think. Yeah, I think that the, whenever I go abroad on on tournaments, mini tournaments before a finals tournament, you always have a preconception when when people are speaking in a different language as a collective. I think naturally mm -hmm. you feel a bit 
sort of opposed to it i think is probably the best way of describing it and 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 you think hang on surely they you should all be discussing this together but i think as days goes on and and you get to know people a bit better you just realize that it's easier for them to converse in their own language more so than sometimes it is in english and again i think the more further sort of west you move across europe the easier it is to communicate with colleagues but but all all officials there have have gone through the sort of uefa core program but bar one i think so they, they get sort of enhanced english lessons and that their english is is of a really good standard but but again there are there are some words that that don't sort of translate with them and you have to spend that extra bit of attention that's that's another added pressure on the referee and in tom's case for the three matches is not only did he have to deliver his pre-match and do all the preparation he also had to be fully aware of of some things that we may converse about we may need to change or may need to adapt so the, the team is fully cohesive you can't use too much like North Wales slang then, Tom, or anything like that. You have to keep it, uh, <laughs> well, keep it standard we, English. Yeah, I mean, we often get um, quite, quite sort of joked about, really, don't we? Because, um, you know, our, our English, when John and I speak together in English, you know, uh, you know, conversation that we would do at home, it's still it's quite difficult for people of a foreign nature to actually understand it because of the slang and the the difference of words and that sort of thing. So yeah, and the we, speed we, we talk, the amount of times I had a yeah. row for for talking too quick. <laughs> <laughs> but we do get ridiculed quite quite frequently for um, not speaking actual English, you know, because obviously it's what the others learn yeah. and have been have been taught and that kind of thing. But yeah, no, it. it yeah we have to think a little bit differently as well to slow our words down and be a bit more precise with our communication yeah. but that only makes it better i suppose and being more to be more precise yeah you have a pre-match coach and they're like what what's that um yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. so just um you know going back round to sort of talk about kind of your your preparation and stuff just got me thinking about food like curry half and half and stuff like that um with uh, like the <laughs> yeah. background and stuff like what sort of what was the food like over there and uh like i don't know john's mentioned to me before some interesting situations with food so i don't know if you want to sort of yeah well it, in fairness the the hotel was in general pretty pretty good to be fair they they offered um they offered some good food, but the disappointing thing is, is the same food pretty much every day for lunch and then evening meal. So um, when you're there for so long, I think by the time we come to, I think that there was a, the, the, the penultimate night before we left, I think we I think we just went for a pizza. It's like, we just want something different, you know, because it's not something that they're typically used to with obviously the, the religious aspect and things. They weren't allowed any dairy after after breakfast time so um you know so you're a bit naughty was, having a cheese pizza then yeah you had to go a bit more you know away from things to be able to find the more sort of commercialized sort of aspect of it from the city city point of view but it was just just wanted something different really by that point you know coming into day 11 12 of having rice and and chicken variation or some sort of meat variation um you know and the food the food in fairness what well, it was great you know the, the service the hotel provided was was exceptional you know we had our own facility as a group of referees you know away from um you know the the, the average sort of uh, person staying there so um but yeah it's like anything if you have the best food in the world but if you eat it the same through three meals a day kind of thing you soon get gets uh, a bit tedious with it so um but yeah thankfully there was no special cases of anything in particular you know you can certainly go to some countries i'm sure john will be able to elaborate a bit more than you know from experience of mine but 
I recall a, a trip to Faroe Islands last year and um, sort of trying fermented shark, I think, was it, Bugs? And yeah, and you know, you, you, yeah, obviously, which is their, their national delicacy, but you feel um, you feel certainly obliged and, and you feel a bit rude if you don't sort of try it, kind of thing, you know, and it's kind of a bit of a grimace face, like, you, you know, whilst, whilst that kind of thing happens. But no, there was nothing, nothing to, you know, it's a sort of nerving like that really thankfully it was it was pretty um you know your bog standard kind of yeah meat meat and rice with some pastas and and, and salad really so yeah i think uh going back onto what we touched touched on earlier jack before before we started the podcast i think uh my biggest eye opener I, i've been fortunate enough to be involved in 52 matches abroad and uh, so I, I've got pretty pretty good experience of going to different cultures and eating loads of different types of food. But it was only when I started sort of traveling with football, I, I sort of became akin to eating seafood and, and fish and stuff like this. So uh, I started to develop a true love for, for, for eating it. And obviously you're fully aware of, of the country you're in and, and, and how good they are with certain meals. So you always trust when you're in the sort of Mediterranean area to, to trust their sort of seafood dishes more than their meat dishes and so on. So I was on a mini tournament back in 2018 um, and before the first match, um, we sat down for dinner as a team of officials. There was myself. Uh, Bryn Markham Jones there was two uh, two colleagues from Portugal and the observer we, we all sat down and and enjoyed um, I think I had a fish dish of tuna and, and most of us did um, so we went to the match um, we got to the match an hour and 45 minutes before kickoff and then all of a sudden I started bo- like physically burning up my, my skin was all like bright red it was redder than, than our jumpers tonight <laughs> And I thought, hang on, there's uh, there's something not right here. Whether whether I was I don't know nervous, which I tended not to be, but uh, but but I, I thought maybe it's nerves or maybe it's the heat or something like that. And I turned to my left and I remember seeing the Portuguese assistant referee who was redder than I was. I was like, hang on, something isn't right here. Next thing, the door swings open and it's the referee's observer who also had tuna with us at dinner time, and he was bright red. <laughs> and, and then it. And I, I was unaware of the sort of side effects that that sort of like tuna can can carry if not prepared and stored and cooked correctly and yeah I soon quickly learned that we all suffered a reaction from from eating tuna so um I think that we were doing Italy against Croatia and uh well the two team doctors came rushing in they gave us some creams they gave us some medicines <laughs> and whatnot and uh yeah, that soon uh, that soon sparked us into some life, especially during the warm up when I think we were sort of coming down from our sort of burning skin. But I think we, if I remember rightly, we we had like a rash or something that we were itching, and I was thinking, how am I going to get through this game? And the delegate on the match was really concerned for us. Unfortunately, the the, the sort of game went smoothly. Um, but sort of talking on food and preparation, obviously every, every official is different. Um, I think on the main, our international colleagues, and, and we've sort of learned to to sort of tone our bodies into eating sort of four hours before kickoff sort of pastas chickens and stuff like that um but the one thing i try and focus on a bit more is is hydration especially in israel where mm. the heat was ridiculous yeah um it was important to stay hydrated and, and tom remembers this as good as as good as any uh, sort of four hours before kickoff we'd have like a almost like a watered down isotonic and i'd also have hydration tablets and every time I get into the minibus to go to the match, I think about three hours before kickoff, I'd be feeling physically sick with the amount I've drunk. <laughs> and then we'd, we'd turn up on the ground and I'd be sprinting to use the toilet because I was so full up. But but obviously hydration is is vitally important in, in 
in sort of warmer climes and i for me personally i find hydration is more important than, than eating but but obviously there's you need to eat the sort of right foods before the game otherwise you're not at your optimum level and energy levels to perform that that match and the, and the demands of the game yeah it sounds like it sounds like sort of uh, what you put in your body before the match can sort of make or break <laughs> make or break this sort of experience but i'm impressed you got out there on the pitch and actually officiated a match after eating dodgy tuna because well. i just glued to the toilet i think <laughs> that's, that's my fortunate enough obviously we we learn from others experiences and and lee evans who i our referees manager i worked with many many times has many stories of previous colleagues gone by where sometimes that is the case so uh he's always taught me to be prepared just in case the worst came to the worst and i spoke to the assistance coach after croatia and he strongly advised me eddie strongly advised me never touch fish before a match and lo and behold I have not touched fish before a match. So uh, <laughs> sometimes you've got to learn from your own experiences or you've got to learn from others. And, and that's simply a combination of both. <laughs> right, brilliant. Right. So um, I think what, what we should do is maybe go on to a little bit of a fun sort of quick fire questions round. So I just shout out your name. Just say the first thing that comes to your head. I'll try not to put too much pressure on you. Um, you but just a few questions. Right. So uh, go on then. Tom, first of all. Tom, your your uh, go-to karaoke song? Oh my god, um, probably something Oasis. Um, probably a bit not Wonderwall because that's far too um, over overdone. Um, don't look back in anger, maybe. Right. Okay. And uh, John, steak and chips or skinless chicken with salad? Oh, steak and chips every day of the week, even before a match. Uh, probably not, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, Tom, favourite footballer? Oh, favourite footballer. Um, Got to be someone Everton. Uh, I'm going with Tim Cale if it's someone Everton. You're giving him oh, all right. the good questions. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm, right, right foot or left, John? Go on. I'm a right footer. Right, and uh, Tom, pub or club? Uh, yeah, oh, that's a toughie. Uh, pub before club. How's that? <laughs> in a in a sequence. Uh, I think no. I'm, am I? I'm still just about club. I think. Ask oh, me right. again. Ask me again when I hit thirty next week, and I'll uh, probably tell you something different. Right, um, John. Um, right, favorite manager of all time. Oh, that's a good question. You can't um, say Lee Evans. You can't say a refs manager. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh that's a that's a tough one. Uh, I, I think well, quick fire, as, quick fire. As, I know as cheesy as it sounds, you have to say Pep, don't you, for, for everything he's oh. achieved across sort of all of his career. I'm not I'm not sort of talking olden days with Fergie and Wenger and I am more of a modern day man. I was thinking you're gonna say Gavin Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> that's only from my own personal experiences i've never seen people like that <laughs> right okay and um tom half and half scarves yes or no oh absolutely not stinks <laughs> okay and john last one your favorite ref of all time oh tom owen ah. good night i don't idolize anyone that, that, like I genuinely don't idolise anyone. Okay, I'll uh, I'll go for Howard Webb purely right. because of my okay. uh, my friendship. Okay, all right. 
there's going to be a lot of angry rest with you after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, lads, I think that's everything. Um, just before you go, um, just want to hear a little bit, little bit about what you're sort of hoping for, you know, from the coming season and what your sort of plans are with your refereeing career. Yeah, for me, um, it's to take on the invaluable experiences I've picked up from the tournament recently, um, put into practice, you know, all of the advice and, and coaching tips that I've picked up, um, or try to have a bit of a break. <laughs> Obviously, there's more European games on the horizon in July, um, and then you know, yeah, get get ready to go again and just keep keep improving, keep taking on advice from from all all sort of angles, and all directions. And um, particularly from those that are more experienced, sort of thing, in in the right places, and yeah, just keep working hard and keep just keep improving, just keep doing my best and see what comes. Really, it's got me so far. So um, yeah, just and, and and enjoy it. It's the main thing, you know. I think that's one thing I've certainly learned after this last couple of weeks is don't take anything for granted. Just enjoy every every occasion, every game, because you never know when your last one might be. So yeah, John. Yeah, along along similar lines as Tom, to be honest, I think we we not only have we just sort of come back from a tournament, but our sort of European season starts in two weeks' time, where we've both got trips abroad. So uh, it's a case of sort of drawing a line in the sand, reflecting on what's just been, and then preparing for the future. Obviously, it's important to enjoy it. That's that's the, the sort of most fundamental part of refereeing, because if you don't enjoy it. Then, then what are you doing there in the first place? Obviously, uh, my hopes and dreams and expectations are are always the same every year. It's always to sort of be the best I can be and uh, always try and make the person in the middle the, the best that they can be themselves and always be part of a good sort of team ethic and team performance. And uh, yeah, a lot of my sort of hopes and dreams are all out of my hands now. I, obviously, I still have dreams and hopes that I, I sort of keep bottled within, but a lot are out of my hands. I've just got to work my hardest stay fit always train always give committed performances and uh and providing you're doing all of that the rest falls into place naturally so onwards and upwards great thanks very much for your time gents um really enjoyed our chat and yeah um speak to you both soon thanks, thanks jack. jack take care mate see you lads well listener thank you very much and congratulations if you've made it this far if you'd like to access more Welsh refereeing content, you can visit the refereeing.wales website or the FAW Refereeing Facebook group. If you're brand new to refereeing and this podcast has inspired you to take the plunge and pick up the whistle yourself, go to becomeref.wales to get started. Please also feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook and Twitter for any help or advice you might need. Links are in the description. So, that's it. Thank you. Ciao, See you soon.